0: Uh, Today, we titled the message. It's a standalone talk today. I might dive into this next week. I'm just going to be honest. I had a whole series planned, but the Holy Spirit told me a whole different route. And so I said, okay, I'll do it. And so uh, this might be a continuation next series, or it might just be today. But today, I titled the message simply Taste to Tell. Taste to Tell. So I've got a couple of snacks, and I don't know if you've ever had these before, but these are some of the snacks that if you were to come to the Hughes house, uh, this is what we fly through on a typical week. And so I've been eating these a ton nonstop. We actually get these from Costco, like a bigger bag. This is just a smaller bag. How many of you guys have had these hippies before? Anybody had hippies? How many have not had hippies? Raise your hand if you have not had any. See, you are missing out. All right, so what this is, this is a healthier snack. It's basically made out of chickpeas, but don't let that fool you because how many of you guys remember as a kid, cheese balls? You know the cheese balls and cheese puffs? Yeah, the Cheetos, cheese puffs. Anybody a fan of cheese balls or cheese puffs? Yeah, okay, so you're the unhealthy ones. So I'm going to give you a a Did you even know what's in those things um, so uh the good news is all of this all the ingredients here are in English and you totally can read the words and, and it makes sense and they're completely edible and these are some of the best snacks in the world Have you ever anyone want to try some of these I come down. Okay, today. You want to try some? Here, yeah, I don't want people to put their hands in it because people get freaked out so all right those are good. you want to try some? Now what happens is, man, they're so they're like uh, a cheese puff, so you can eat them all day because, like, it doesn't take up a lot of space. Pretty good. Are they gluten-free? Uh, they're gluten free. Uh, they should be because it's just chick chickpeas. Yeah, chickpea flour, no wheat. Yeah. Man, if you fall over, don't blame me. You want to try some? Have you had these before? Yeah. Yeah, they're called hippies. Oh, sorry, it's okay. Anybody else want me? You want some, Noah? Here you go. You had them at my house before. <laughs> I've been into your house. Anybody want, you have some? You want to try some? Yeah, why not? Yeah, know, sure. Snacks. Snacks are good. You want, have you had these? Yeah, these are really good. Yeah. How's that? Just try, just try a few. Just a little taste. Yeah, he's like, now everybody's hands are going out. You know what? Let me have some. Let me have some. All right. All right. You want some? Here you go. Just take the bag. Okay. All right. That's good stuff. Now. I was at my cousin's house visiting a while back and uh, I, was, I was there, I'd never had these before. These are fried dill pickle chips. Have you had these? Anybody not had these? Anybody had these before? Yeah, aren't these, okay, if you've had them. Killer, who said so good? Aren't you have had these or no? Yeah, did you say so good too? Have you had these? I oh, have, but I didn't say anything. but did say you say so good? Is that what you said, so good, so good. You want some? Corey, you want some of these? Yeah. Do you like pickles? Oh yeah. Okay. These are really good. Now, these are not as good for you as those hippies over there, but they're good, man. Now, just wait. When you start eating these pickle chips, the problem is you're going to be like, oh, I want, it. I want more. Pretty good? Yeah. You want some pickle chips? There you go. Here. All right. I'll give some pickle chips over there, too. I'm not... Who wants some pickle chips over here? <laughs> Fried dill pickle chips, man. Anybody ever had a fried pickle and you dip it like in the ranch dressing or something? And it's on another level. Here, just, here. You can share in the back if you wanna share in the back. All right, I've got a couple more hippies. Anybody want some of these hippies? We got a couple more bags of these. So what? Good. They're good. Look at your smile. You are glowing. Yeah. Here, you want to try some? There you go. Y'all share some. All right. You are literally Glowing. Who has hippies? She needs hippies up here, so somebody needs help out. All right, so I've got another one, and I'm telling you, this is on another level. So in my house, my son um, does, cannot have dairy, so we haven't had dairy in the house in a long, obviously, time since he was born. So uh, we don't do dairy in our house, and so we're always looking for non-dairy products that are really good, and these are a new uh, chocolate bar with oat milk, and you know oat milk is a little more creamy, and these, uh, I don't even know how to, is it lint? Lend, lend, lend. Okay. These oat milk chocolate bars, I'm telling you, are on another level, man. I mean, what's that? You, the ladies need the top. Why do the ladies need chocolate? Men need chocolate, too. You know? Yeah, I'm not giving this away until I have some of this stuff. I'm telling you. So good. Is it creamy? I mean, I'm telling you, you don't believe me. You ever have something, you're telling somebody something that's so good and they don't believe you and you're like, no, seriously, it's good. You got to try this. and What? You don't believe me. You're just trying to get a bar. Okay. Do you like chocolate? Try it. Men, this is on another level. You don't need to take more than that. I just got to open it up. Yeah, just break it up. It's all right. You want some? Go for it. Isn't that good? It's rich. It like stays in your mouth. Anybody else want some of this oat milk? Yeah, take it. It's okay. It's okay. I love it when people take pieces big and like, oops, oh, sorry. All right. You want some in the back? You want some? Come here. Come up here. I don't know if I can go back. Can I go back there? My mic and everything? It's okay? Yeah. Here. You guys, give it to the production team. You guys can share that back there. There you go. I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry. No chocolate for you. I'm sorry. No. I got more. I got more. I came with treats. That's good. All right. I can't keep doing this all day. <laughs> Who's glad they came to church today? They're like, oh, this is great. I'm coming back. All right. Can you I share? Do, yeah. Share it. Share it. Share it. Share. You want to have some? Okay. Now, you're pregnant, so you you know. Are you in the mood for that? Does it sound? You can have the whole bar if you want. Or, oh, Melvia. Melvia's like, wait a second. Somebody's got a. She's. T- <laughs> texting me yeah just share some break off some chocolate send it back make it okay just send it back that way all right so is that good all right I got one more this one's not healthy but they're my favorite and I remember how they taste I don't eat these anymore but I bought them because they used to be my favorite and I and I just but black and white cookies anybody black and white cookie fans Chuck yeah you like these do you like these Demi do you like these yes <laughs> There you go. And if you want to share some, you can share some. All right? Or well, you can be greedy if you want to be be greedy. All right, that's it. That's church. We're going to play football. Let's go home. That's good. <laughs> right, that's it. Chocolate's good, right? Who's had the chocolate yet? All right. How is it? I know. It's, it, it's one of those treats like, I'm not kidding. If you haven't had some of that oat milk chocolate bar, it's you can eat it for like an hour after it's, it's still, it's already gone down, but it just stays, right? And then you take a drink, and then you're like, I wanna do that again, right? I know, so good. I titled the message, Taste to Tell. Um, if you have your notes with you, here's what I know is true. When we experience something good, right, which is what we just did, when we experience something good, we wanna share it with others. We know that uh, we do this all the time. You go out to a restaurant, you try something out, you see a movie, when it's good, you're like, I have gotta tell somebody. I, I, this is so good, I can't keep it to myself. And, and so you just wanna go and share it with other people. I was reading this advertising uh, kind of marketing uh, you know, blog post that had some different statistics on it, information on it, I found it pretty interesting. And here's what I thought was pretty interesting. Even our world today, that ninety-two percent of consumers—this is from a marketing, uh, American Marketing Association—and even all the social media platforms and all the way different advertising happens. Ninety-two percent of consumers believe recommendations from friends and family over all forms of advertising. That's pretty incredible when you think about it, just the power of you know the the mouth, right? We know that the word of mouth, the power of word of mouth, still exists, and so before. Any forms of marketing were out there and, you know, colors and different things that you market and how you get people to pay attention to something, word of mouth was there. And still today, word of mouth is the most powerful form of marketing still happening today. 92% 92% of consumers, and the key word was believe, they believe recommendations from friends and family over all forms of advertising. And that's where Google reviews come in, right? You re, you read, who reads the review before you go somewhere? Yeah, all, you, know, you read reviews and, and you kind of pay attention to what's happening on that, or you look at certain stars, or you look at Yelp, or whatever you use to kind of, or Facebook, you know, and try to ask people to recommend, does anyone have a recommendation for a plumber? Does anyone have a recommendation for? And so all of that comes this idea of belief that it's easier to believe people who you trust or you know, and then you kind of go off of their recommendation. And today, this is what I want to talk up to you, babe, about this idea of tasting and telling. David, that we're going to unpack King David. David's a king of Israel. maybe you've heard of David before. He hasn't become king yet in the story we're going to read about. But David is at a place in his life that's really interesting. But he's going to make an invitation to taste and then tell. But he's going to make an invitation for people to taste. And and it's the situation, it's the environment that he's in. He's tasted something so good that he has to share it with other people. It's just so good to him. And then he shares it with somebody else. And and so what's interesting is the setting of this. This is what we're going to see in Psalm 34. We're going to study Psalm 34, just the first half of it today. And if we continue in it, we'll do the second half next week. But the first 10 verses of Psalm 34 is what I felt like God just really impressed upon my heart. I had this whole talk on martyrdom that was going to talk about, felt like the Holy Spirit said no. You need to talk through Psalm 34, 1 through 10. All right, Psalm 34, 1 through 10, it's in your notes. If you didn't bring your Bible, it's right there in your notes. We're going to put it on the screen. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. If you have your phone, you can open that up. All right, Psalm 34, 1 through 10, David's going to make an invitation to Taste. But it's the context in which he makes that invitation that I think is so fascinating and so intriguing. So here's what happens in Psalm 34. We're gonna go back just for a second before Psalm 34. All right, if you have your Bibles, you can hold yourself there to 1 Samuel uh, chapter 22. And this is what happens. This is the setting, all right? So in the setting, it says, David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and friends out in the household heard about it, they went down to him there. I'll explain this in a minute. All those who were in distress or in debt or discontented gathered around him, and he became their commander. About 400 men were with him. All right, this is why that's so important, why it's so fascinating. I'm going to set these down. All right, so here's what makes this so interesting to me. Before we read Psalm 34, it's important to know the context in which David writes this. David is on the run for his life. Okay, and it's easy to say that and not really wrap your head around that. King Saul is wanting his head, and there's a bounty on his head. An entire nation, the president of the United States of America, wants you killed. It's really hard to hide in that point. So he, I mean, they know who he is, what he looks like. they, They are out to kill David, so David runs for his life. And he runs to another place, and in this place, King Achish, another king, finds out about who David is, and some of his advisors say, well, we want to kill David too, and so David flees from there, so now he has two kings trying to assassinate him, and he runs and he goes and hides in a cave, and the name of the cave is the dolem, which in Hebrew means refuge, which is a place of safety, so he runs into a cave of refuge. What's fascinating to me about before we read Psalm 34 is his audience and who he's with. So, the people that end up going with him, some of his are friends and family. We see that. They find out, hey, where's David? Heard about David. David's on the run for his life. Where's David? We got to go help him. They're brothers or sisters, so family. So, family goes around. Whenever somebody's going through something, family gets around, right? So, this family goes, friends go, and they try to go find David to be with him, comfort him, and help him in his life. But it says something about these people, and it says it right here. It says, all those who were in, the people that gathered, were people who were in distress. That's a Hebrew word that literally means stressed. So the people that are going to be with David are also facing their own stressful scenarios in life. Then it says, these are also people, or... So not all of them are just dealing stressful situations, but some of them are simply in debt. Now, I want you to think about that. You say, well, that means their financial debt could be financial debt, but the Hebrew word here actually means to be deceived. These are people who have experienced past failures, people who have gone through tough scenarios in life, life has not dealt in the hand they thought they should have or hoped they would have, had. and these are people who have experienced past failures. And they're feeling like failures. These are not people at the top of the chain, top of the promotion list. These are people who haven't simply made it for whatever reasons. People are stressed around him. These are people who have failed at life in some ways. At least people would see that. That's what people would think or feel about themselves. And also people who are discontented, which is a really important Hebrew word that literally means bitterness of the soul. I want you to hear that. These are people around David when he's on the run for his own life and there are people surrounded with him who have bitterness in the soul. Their soul is jacked. These are people you do not want to be in your army. When you're picking your army, you're picking your troops. When you're picking teams, if we pick teams today, you're not going, I'm picking the worst first, you know. You know. And, and so this is what, David is surrounded by people who are literally broken in their souls from all angles of life. Financially, relationally, haven't accomplished what they thought they hoped would accomplish. I mean, these are the people in the cave with David, and David is on the run for his life. I'm just saying this is not a group of people who you're probably wanting to be friends with all the time. This is like a tough group of people to be around. But yet, this is who God calls into, the, into this cave, called refuge, Adullam, with David. Now, There's some backdrop to that. The reason why that's important is because when you read Psalm 34, and now that I give you that backdrop, and you read the first line of Psalm 34, you're like, what? Here's the very first verse to Psalm 34, which is a song that David sings. The first 10 verses, if you want to make this little note, the first 10 verses of Psalm 34 is a song. Verses 11 through 24, I think it is, the, the, the second half of it is a sermon. So in Psalm 34, you've got two parts. You've got a song up top, and you've got a sermon on the bottom. Even then, they were following the church template. Songs first, sermon second. Okay, so this is where David is, and in, in very part of all of this happening, in the tension, 400 people, debt broken, depressed, down. David's on the run for his life, and here's what David says, lyric one. Ready? Here he goes. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted, circle that, circle that, afflicted. Why? His audience has been afflicted. Amen? You with me? They have been afflicted, broken, discontented, soul of bitterness is messed up, hurting, pain, past failures, right, unforgiveness, all kinds of approval problems, affirmation problems, can't figure out life, no purpose, no calling, broken people. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. How many of you feel like rejoicing when your soul's in bitterness, when, you, when you're in depression? Amen, thank you God, love you Jesus. No, right, that's not what people tend to do. This is where David is, and then David makes this powerful word, glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. The word glory, by the way, means to grow or to become great, to become important, to promote or to magnify. Now listen to this. You can't make God any bigger when you bring him glory. He's already big and you can't make him bigger. What you do is whenever you glorify God, what you're really doing, if you ever heard the word glory, bringing glory to God, glory to God, glorify God, what you're really doing is bringing awareness to your soul. Write this down if you're taking notes. Whenever we praise God, We bring awareness, right in the word awareness, to our soul that God is bigger than our circumstance. So when David starts off with this group of audience, people whose souls are afflicted, he says, here's the first thing you need to do. Get the proper perspective. Bring glory to God and all of a sudden your problem will seem a lot smaller. It'll get its proper perspective, bring glory. Let's bring magnification. Let's talk about who God is. Let's talk about how powerful he is. Let's extol the Lord at all times. And then when I do that, all of a sudden, what has afflicted my soul is no longer there. Because now I'm aware of how big God is and what God is capable of doing. So how does that sound? Let me break it down real practical. When you begin and you start off with praise, you've heard the word praise in church. Praise is not fast music, by the way. That's, I don't know where we got that from in our culture. Let's praise and let's sing worship. Anyways, okay, so praise is I am bringing magnification to who God is. God, you are able to do all things. Greater things than I could ever possibly imagine. You never run out of resources. You will supply all my needs. You are never lack anything. You are capable to accomplish this, solve this. In one second, you can bring joy to my spirit. You talk like that, and all of a sudden, your soul begins to go through a transformation. This is what David's pushing on with himself and with the audience of people around him in this cave. Called what? refuge. A place of refuge. This is where they are, all right? Then he goes on to say, and he continues on in the song, and he sings the next lyric. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my Fears. He's on the run for his life. He's experienced this in the past. He's got fears in his life, and here they are again. Oh, I failed in the past. Am I going to fail again? No, I'm not going to let the fear get the best of me. He says, Those who look to him are radiant. They have radiant faces and are never covered with shame. Two interesting words I want you to pay attention to. One is radiant, which means to shine, to beam light. Okay, To, to just. Oh, the light is just coming off your face. And then to look is a really important word, which means to show regard or pay attention. In other words, he says, I've been in predicaments like this before. My soul is in distress, just like many of you. And he's talking to his audience. And I've been where you've been, and I've, I've set where you've set, and I've felt what you felt. And when I was there, here's what I did. I just began to pay attention to God. I just focused my attention on God because whatever you focus on is what you feel. And I begin to realize when I focus on who God is, all of a sudden, everything begins to change inside. So I start to focus on God and then everything changes and I show regard, I pay attention to him. And when I do that, watch this, facial expression changes. Write this down. God's presence removes our fears, reveals his glory. It brings awareness of who he is. And when you do that, changes to our facial expressions occur. How many of you ever walked around and you saw somebody and you could tell by their face where their soul was, where their marriage was? And you see a lot of people walking around in our world today Maybe even you. And you go, it's been so long since we've had joy. And you can see it all over my face. We hear it this way, we say it this way, you know, we wear our emotions on our sleeves. How many of you guys know somebody wears emotions on their sleeves? And you can just tell. And some of us are really good at hiding it though, right? We've gotten really good at hiding it, smiling, but the soul is a wreck, And I'm just letting you know today, whenever you get into the presence of God, it says it'll come out through your facial expression and you'll see it. You'll see a change. You'll see a difference. When you get into God's presence, something changes inside of the soul and then the soul starts to make the body aware and the the smile can't contain it. Like the face can't contain the glory of God wanting to beam through you like a light. In other words, a person who's been in the presence of God doesn't come out like this. Just been in the presence of the Lord. He's, it's great. I'm so serious about this. I see this in church. I've been in church 15 years, in ministry 16, 17. years. I'm telling you, I've seen people do this. Oh yeah, church is great. Hey, how you doing? Great. Been in the presence of God? Yeah, every day. <laughs> Liar! <laughs> he knows what I want to say. David is up with 400 people saying, "I'm telling you, I know I'm on the run for my life. People literally want to kill me, but you can't take the smile off my face. Why? Because I extol the Lord at all times. He's worthy my praise. I bring glory to him, and I know He's able to watch over me, protect me. ain't nobody going to stop me." And all of a sudden, the facial expression begins to change. It's fascinating. When you think about Psalm 34 and the unpacking of this, it goes on to say, "He says, this poor man, referring maybe to himself, some believe is he referring to himself, is he referring to the audience. I like to think he's probably refer- referring to himself in this case in some way. This poor man called to the Lord who heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. He's been through this before and he's been saved. He's been spared. Here's what David had just done, which is really fascinating. Follow me, listen to me on this. This is so important. David, when he went to King Achish, he goes to this king. Remember, he gets King Saul. Saul wants to kill him. He runs. He goes to King Achish. King Achish, he goes into that land, and he finds out King Achish wants to kill him. And so here's what David does. Some of you may know the story. David begins to act insane. David literally, to save his own life, begins to put spit all over his face. And, he's, and he's, starting, he's acting crazy and he's saying he starts writing on walls. I'm like, this is what David does. You should read the Bible. He's like, I didn't know that was in the Bible. You should go read it, First Samuel 21. So he's, he's acting crazy like a madman. And people didn't want to touch a madman. Because if you touched a madman, you might become a madman. You might get whatever they got. So you're just like, get rid of that guy. And so they they remove David from the land. Then David runs to cave. And here's what's so fascinating to me about this. David comes up with this plan to act crazy so that he could be removed from the land to save his own life. But look what David does. He brings glory to God. He said, it's God that saved him. He recognizes that even though it was his decision, God, you gave me that plan. Maybe you gave me that idea or you you gave me this, this way out. And so, yeah, I acted crazy. i do whatever I had to do, you know, in order to, to get out of here, you know. So he does, and he goes. Now, maybe someone would question whether or not David was like, was that wrong of him because he didn't trust God, you know. But David's just acknowledging that whatever God has done for him, God is the one behind it working all of these, bringing glory to God and awareness. And then the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Then he continues on. This is what's so important. Then he makes an invitation and he's talking to this audience of broken souls, distressed, discontented, debt people, disgraced, deceived, hurtful souls, bitter souls. And here's what he says. Taste and see the Lord is good. Now, if you've been in church a length of time, you've heard this statement. People have been in church, this has been a message that's been preached. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Question How do you taste that the Lord is good when your soul is a wreck? I mean, I know that, this, that when the soul's happy and everything in life is great and everything is up on the scale, everything's going, woo, everything's great. Taste and see, amen. Taste and see, so good. But how do you taste and see the Lord is good? When everything in your life Is falling apart This is where David is This is the audience David is talking to people Whose lives are crumbling How, How could I possibly Consider the fact that God Is good in this moment And David is talking to this group of people And he simply does this Taste Taste it And then he leaves them to experience for themselves. You got to hear me on this. There are some things I cannot just do for you. One thing I can't do for you is taste it. I can tell you what it tastes like, but I, I can't be your taste. There is a degree of which all all he does is set. The states, just like a moment ago, I said, anybody want an oat milk bar? And I took an oat milk bar. Taste it. When I talk about it, it, it was one thing. When I said the hippies were good, it was one thing. But when you t- tasted it, facial expression. Thanks for being an illustration. We didn't even talk about it, but you were a perfect illustration because she's like, I want some more. <laughs> I mean, more. Where are the hippies at? Where, where, where's those chips? Where's that chocolate? You know, more. If I ask you right now, anybody else wants some more? I got more, I got a whole case of oat milk chocolate bars. Anybody want some? I don't. I was lying, but you were just my illustration. My point is, see, you taste it, and then all of a sudden you're like, I want some more of that. How many of you have ever gone to a great restaurant? You're like, oh, I love that place. I love it. And then you never go back. Okay, it's expensive. You're, you're saving to go back. Yeah. Um, you get my point. You, you, you go back to what's good, and you share with others what's good. You gotta try this stuff out. It's so good. In fact, sometimes we pride ourselves on, I found it. I found this place. You gotta come find it. No, nobody told me about it. I found it. Come, come. It's so good. Can I just tell you today and invite you like David was inviting these people? The presence of God tastes so good. I don't know how you could go a day without it. And it tastes so good. Say, wait a second. God is omnipresent though, right? Like God's everywhere. So, so do we, I mean, I'm in God's presence. According to scripture, God's presence is in me. Can I just be honest with some of you? I love you. Doesn't look like it though. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. If I could pull back the layer and just be a pastor for a moment, I see some of you and doesn't look like it. It doesn't look like it. When you get into the presence of God, it tastes so good is what David says. He said, well, God's omnipresent. Glorify him. He is always there. It's just that your soul's not aware of it. It's bringing awareness to your soul. It's reminding the soul of of the truth of God, of who he is. And we need this and I need this daily, sometimes minute by minute, to be reminded that God's presence is with me. And I bring awareness to my soul of that truth. This idea of taste means to eat, <sighs> to consume. I can't chew your food uh, for you. I mean, I could chew it, but at some point, in order for you to eat it, it's got to get into your mouth, and you don't want to do that. So you're just going to eat it yourself, right? Taste it and see. Notice the Hebrew word to give attention to, to pay attention. Continues on. We'll wrap this up. Verse nine and keep going on. Says verse, finish in verse eight. Blessed is the one who takes refuge. Go back to verse eight. That's okay. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. This is important. What's the name of the cave? Come on. What's the name of the cave? What's the name of it? Adullam. And what does Adullam mean in Hebrew? Refuge. refuge. But David says, "I got news for you today. Blessed is the one. What does blessed mean in Hebrew? Happy. Listen. Blessed is the one. Happy is the one who takes refuge in Cave Adullam. No." He's in a place of refuge, called refuge, but David says, I got really good news for you. This is not our refuge. Our refuge is not a cave. Our refuge is a person and his name is Jesus. So he's like, we're in a cave, I get it, called refuge, but this is not the refuge. Refuge means a place of safety, a place of protection, a place of provision. So the place of protection, provision, and safety is not the cave. I know we're hiding in a cave, but this is not what's protecting us. It's God that's protecting us. Taste and see how good he is. And then when you do, you get blessed because you've taken refuge in a cave. No, because you've taken refuge in him. Man, it's powerful what he says to this audience. We find refuge in God's presence is what David is trying to get at. When you bring awareness of his presence. So we say, God, we wanna get in your presence. Well, he's omnipresence. What we're really saying is, God, would you make me aware of your presence? Remind me of who you are. All right, continues on verse nine. He says, fear the Lord. You, his holy people, for those who fear him lack nothing. Powerful statement, lack nothing. Just imagine living a life where you lack nothing. Now, David is on the run for his life. I mean, he's not saying that when you get into the presence of God or when you live in this presence of God, and God is always with you, that trials don't come your way. No, in fact, later on in the story, he would say trials do come your way. He's in the midst of a trial talking to people who are in debt. How I many guys are like, yeah, I want to be in debt. Debt's a great place to be. It's not like my soul's just so happy when we're in debt. No, he's like, people are in debt. People are distressed. People are discontented. Their soul's bitterness. All oh, so much rage and anger and frustration and hurt and pain from past failures and all these things that have gone on. And the soul's a wreck. And David says, man, the people who fear the Lord, those who fear him lack nothing. How do you lack nothing when your soul is jacked? Here's how. Scripture says that God is love, and that love casts out fear. When you get into the presence of God, you bring awareness to your soul who God is and that God is love, all of a sudden you're reminded, watch this, how much God loves you. And when you're reminded how much God loves you, you have nothing to fear. And when you have nothing to fear, you lack nothing. Would you imagine living in such a way, in debt, looking at your financial history completely in debt overwhelmed with full debt and say how in the world are we going to get out of this hold on a second god you love me you Take care of me. Nothing is impossible for you. You provide all things. So all of a sudden, I look over here and I see the debt, but I see who you are. And when I do that, I realize I have no need to fear the debt because I have you on my side and you who's greater in me, is greater than anything in the possible world, anything's in me, anything trying to take me out. So I have no reason to fear how I'm going to accomplish this because all I got to do is look to you. And when I look to you, I realize I don't have nothing. I have everything. I'm lonely. It's not a debt issue, it's a lonely issue. Truth is, look into my soul and you'd see lonely. I feel alone, I got nobody. I have no friends, I feel alone all the time. Even though I have a lot of followers on Instagram, I feel alone all the time. So I've got loneliness, hold on a second. Probably wrong perspective. Here's the truth. I have God. When I have God, I have great all things that I need. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I have everything I possibly need in him. And then all of a sudden, what happens to my soul? My soul comes to life. And I no longer think I am not alone. God never leaves me. He never forsakes me. That's true. I'm actually not alone. I have the God, the King of Kings on my side. I have a big daddy upstairs. and He can take care of all my needs. You hear me, church? I mean, this is what David is saying to this group of people. Lack like nothing. When you have God, you're like nothing. Then final verse, verse 10, he goes on to say, the, the lions may grow weak and hungry. Why does he make that statement? Because he's in a cave. Maybe it's possible agriculturally he's looking out and he's seen some lions. David's been around some lions. He lives in an agricultural society. He sees lions, not just at a zoo. They didn't have zoos. He did see lions. I've seen lions. And even lions, strong, mountain lions, big, strong, oh, mountain lions, all the hair, the, the mane is powerful Lion, Even they sometimes grow weak. Even sometimes they go hungry. But this is a powerful statement. I've recognized some of this. What Dave David says, but those who seek the Lord, those who seek the Lord, those who go after the Lord, those who go and remind their souls of his presence, those who get into the presence of God, get with God, they lack no good thing. How many of you know that God can take all bad circumstances and turn it for your good and his good? God can take all circumstances in your life all the debt, all the pain, all the unforgiveness, all the stuff, all the stuff brings bitterness to the soul and turn it around, for your good is good. Man, it's a powerful statement. When we focus on, last thought here, when we focus all of our attention on Jesus, we realize that he is all we need. I wanna invite the band up, we're gonna sing a song before we end out today and we're still right on time, this is perfect timing. So the band's gonna come up and I'd ask them to do something. I just want to create some space today, because I really felt like the Holy Spirit spoke something into my heart for you today. And I just felt like, and maybe this is for you, maybe it's for somebody you know, but maybe it is for you. And and I just had this picture that I'm like David in this context, in a cave, and there's souls in the cave with me that are weary. And you may not be on the run for your life because someone's wanting to murder you. But it feels like the enemy's after your life. It feels like the enemy's after your family. It feels like the enemy's after circumstance. It feels like, man, aloneness just keeps creeping in. Bitterness just keeps creeping in. Age, uh, anger keeps getting part of it. Whatever it may be. what Financial scenario, financial struggle. But the soul is, 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 is hurting inside. And so, and so like David and like this moment, David says, if you get into the presence of God, the soul all of a sudden changes. Everything Changes, So I invited the band to say, hey, we want to sing a song in a moment and get into the presence of God. And then, and before we do that, before we just sing a few songs here, because I think that David had something. David sang a song to get into the presence of God. This is what he did. So we're just replicating what's true biblically. But here's what I want to invite you to do, because I don't want to miss this. I want to invite you to do something. And my wife were talking this morning, and we just said, you know, felt like we are literally on our hands and knees this morning around 6.30 a.m., 6.15 and we were praying for you. Right, we were both in our office at the house and got on our knees, turned off the lights and just went after the Lord. They we're just praying for you. And praying for our church. Just praying for you. And it was just like, God, would you just you know, satisfy whatever soul. Maybe if it's one. Maybe it was just one of you. you know, like, Let's just not talk on this. I'm going to do a teaching on this. And so the Holy Spirit is like putting it all over me. There's someone here. And I just want you to know he's after you and he loves you. And he loves you so much. And so we're creating this space for you. And if it's just one, it's worth it. We do it all over again. Maybe it's two of you. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's all of you in some way. I just want you to know you're worth it today. The Lord loves you so much. And here's all I can do. invite you to taste for yourself. That's all I can do. His presence resolves it it just allows you to get the proper perspective and your soul needs it i mean i could feed you physically all day long but eventually you're going to go hungry again that's what your soul satisfied i'd much rather feed your soul than feed your flesh jesus said jesus said man doesn't live by bread alone but by every come on church come on Come on, we need to chew on God's word if you don't know this one, okay? Man does not live by bread alone, but on, we gotta get into the word, but on every word of God. Some of you have been living on bread alone. It's time to get back and chew on his word. So here's what I want you to do, invite you to do. And we'll do it together and I'll be in it with you. I wanna invite you to do a fast with me so we talked about this as me and chris were talking we said well how long does the lord want us to fast and what are we fasting for and i know one thing we're not fasting for and i think it's even in my heart to say it this way we're not fasting for a massive growth on christmas we're not fasting for like just church growth i think the lord said i want you to just fast for me here's what fasting means the best definition of fasting i can give you is this starve the flesh to feed the soul I've been fasting for a few weeks. That is not, I'm not trying to break that. I know Matthew 6, keep it quiet. I'm not boasting on my fasting, which is what the hypocrites and Pharisees were doing. I'm not doing that. I'm just telling you that whenever I have fasted and my flesh is starving, there's a war that goes on between which one is more hungry, my soul or my flesh. And it's a battle and you'll experience it. And the point of fasting is, is to say, I'm more hungry in my soul than I am in my flesh. And those hunger pains would remind you of what you're really hungry for. And then God promises to satisfy the soul. And when the soul is satisfied, I lack nothing. And you will find yourself, if you fast, moments where I'm hungry and I really want to eat. And I encourage you in that moment, if you come along this fast with us, Honestly, though, Lord, my soul needs to be fed way more than my body right now. And so, when you fast, you could fast one meal a day, maybe. Maybe you fast, you know. A Jewish fast is sun up to sun down. That's what I typically do. A Jewish fast is where you don't eat when the sun comes up. You don't eat till the sun goes down. Um, And then you gorge at night. No, you don't go in at night. Um, but but you can do a Jewish fast, uh, there's partial fast, there's different, you know, types of foods you fast, and, you know, don't just fast like, I'm fasting chips, so I'm just going to eat more ice cream, you know, then, I don't know if you're fasting, maybe you are, maybe you're not, but, but, you know, fast a meal, fast a, a day, fast a, a full day, you know. And, and so we said, well, how long do we wanna do this? And so I think this is the best way to approach it. I'll do, I'll do an invite here, okay? We've got Thanksgiving coming up, and people are like, oh, don't touch Thanksgiving, please. Mom's pie is so good. Okay, so, so we won't touch Thanksgiving, okay? But we're gonna go 21 days, all right, 21 days. And, and I'm invite you to do something. If that just feels way too long for you, then here's, what, I'm gonna give you two other options, seven, 14, or 21, seven, 14, or 21, all right, you decide. All right, you don't have to report to me. You just decide. But that's an invitation. And here's what I'm inviting you to do. Taste. Starve the flesh to feed your soul. And watch what God does. I know my God is good. I know it. And he will satisfy your soul. And your soul is what you want satisfied way more than you want to satisfy your flesh. So that is my hope for you, an invitation to you. And then the fast will be broken right around November 20th, which would be 21 days. And that is right proper time to break a fast right before a feast, amen. How many of you guys know that whenever you end one thing, how you end one season is how you start a new season. I want 2023 to be the best year of your life. The word the Lord has given me for 2023 is the word freedom. You're gonna experience a lot of freedom in this church. I believe it. But before freedom comes... I think fasting will come first. So, so, to prepare for freedom, we start now. We're not gonna wait till the new year. We're gonna start now. How you end one season is how you begin the next season. We're not gonna wait till January 1 to get our life stuff together, get our souls together. We're gonna start now so that God can set us free and the time's coming. Does that make sense to you as a church? All right, stand with me. Now we just give space to the Lord and the lights are gonna go off And we're going to give space to the Lord We're going to sing a song here It's going to go around 7 to 8 minutes In case you're wondering And then we're going to be done So you only got 7 or 8 minutes here Seriously But I'm telling you 7 or 8 minutes in God's presence Can change everything So if you need to kneel, you kneel If you need to sit, you sit If you need to sing, you sing If you need to stand, you stand I'm just inviting you to taste How good His presence is Father, I can't do another thing All I can do is set a table and I invite you, Jesus, to come. Father, we come, we bring awareness to our soul of who you are. And so Jesus, I pray that your will would be done. And I wanted to encourage you, just please let me encourage your souls and your spirits right now. If your hands are in your pocket, just take them out. And I say that to you, and my eyes are closed. I'm not looking, so if your hands are in your pocket, I wasn't staring at you, I promise. My eyes are closed. I don't see anybody in this moment. But if your hands were in your pocket, all that movement was, was getting them out from a place of safety and saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm not going to just fold my arms. I'm going to give this moment to you, and I'm going to ask you, Lord, to come and satisfy my soul. And if you're lonely, talk to him about it. And if you're depressed, talk to him about it. If you're in debt, talk to him about it. If you're sick of being in pain, talk to him about it. If you're sick of all the depression and the marriage issues, talk to him about it. Get in his presence and remember, magnify him. The secret to this is magnifying. God, you are good. Speak truth. Don't allow the lie and the enemy to creep in a day longer. We speak truth in your house, Lord. We speak truth. And what's true is we are children who are loved by you.